This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We're going to complete the Sermon on the Mount this morning. And um, what a great message uh, or sermon this is. And if you recall, uh, in the beginning of this, when Pastor Rob and uh, was ministering um, there in Matthew chapter 5. It talked about Jesus said, if you do these things, these commandments that well, I'm teaching you, you can be great in the kingdom of God. How many want to be great in the kingdom? Yeah. Well, you can go through this message because he was meeting with his disciples and he was telling them how to live this life and how to the walking out. He said, if you don't do these commandments, these, what I'm teaching you, you'll be called the least in the kingdom. Now, you don't want to be wandering around in heaven and be like, well, here comes Bob the least in the kingdom. I don't think any of us want that. But Jesus said, that's what you'll be called. The least in the kingdom. Oh, pastor, I thought he walks in love. He does. That's very loving. He didn't do anything. <laughs> I never. Okay. Matthew chapter 7. And here's the problem. I like my own humor a whole lot more than y'all do. But I live with this. Because Ellen Kay has the same persuasion as y'all do, you know. Doesn't quite. <laughs> okay. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Jesus uh, is continuing uh, his sermon. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Say many. Verse 14, because narrow, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few, say few, who find it. Now, Jesus has been talking. You remember he was ministering. Uh, he said not to, not to worry. And he says that don't worry about what you're going to eat. What you're going to wear, don't worry about your shelter. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Remember that. And then he said, judge not, lest ye be judged. And that, that judgment can be multiplied back to you for whatever you give. You receive back more than you gave in the first place. He said not to condemn. Be merciful. Uh, and he hit so many uh, different areas, and all of a sudden, there's abrupt change in his message. And he goes to really what I would call a salvation message. He changes, telling his disciples, this is the way you're to live. This is the way you're to walk. Be merciful like your father is merciful. Walk in love. Remember the main thing. And that's... Winning the lost. He said, don't cast your, your pearls or your revelation in the word, word before dogs and pigs. And we know that represents unbelievers. 
And Jesus is actually demonstrating that to us right here. He changes course because he sees the crowd. The crowd has found out where the disciples and Jesus were at. And now they have joined in. And you find that later on that the crowd, the crowd is there. And his message changes to a message of salvation. And I was thinking about how he said, treat others the way you would want to be treated. Remember, we talked about the golden rule. And I was thinking, how would I want to be treated if I was lost? I would want someone to love me enough to tell me the truth. That I could be saved. That I could know Jesus. And that, that's what he's doing. He's, he's teaching them or demonstrating the way he just talked. I'm not going to give you a great revelation. It's not, it's not time you don't get an unbeliever and say, look, I need to tell you something. You need to stop worrying. You need to watch what you're thinking. You, ne <laughs> you need to watch those thoughts that you have. Because when you hate someone, God sees you as a murderer. That's not the message. They need to hear Jesus loves you and he died for you and you can be his child. That's what they need to hear. And that's what Jesus is doing here in, in, in switching gears. And, and sometimes if you're ministering to someone, maybe you experience this, you're talking to them about Jesus and they'll switch gears and ask you something about end times or something. It's a distraction to get you off the main thing. They're just, they won't talk about anything else than their relationship with Jesus and where they're going to spend eternity. So he was, he was ministering right where they were at. And we got to remember the main thing with an unbeliever, our ministry, always the motive of our heart is to win them to Jesus. That's always got to be first in our hearts and in our actions. I know there was a, uh, a new man that came in to uh, light gas and water. You tell the company I worked at, a new uh, draftsman and... Um, of course, we had, by this time, we had several believers, and we had a hit list that uh, you were on it, and we were praying. And anyway, got to uh, spend some time with them. He was doing some work for me, and uh, just ministering to him, and uh, gave him the, the message. He said, I'm just not ready. And, and finally, it came out, I'm not good enough. I don't think I'm good enough to be saved. And then he, he said, I've, I've got some habits and stuff I, I'm doing that um, God doesn't want me. I said, well, God does want you. And we just, we kept ministering truth to him. Don't worry about those things. God can help you with that. What about your relationship with him? And I remember one day he walked into our weekly lunch study group 
he came in. We had our subject of study that we were doing. And he walks into the room. The room goes quiet. And well, you know what happened? One person after another shared their testimony of what Jesus had done. By the time he got around to the last person, he had tears in his eyes. He said, I've got to have Jesus now. And he repented. He received Jesus Christ as the Lord of his life. And those things dropped off. I went out to lunch with him. Uh, a couple of weeks later, he said, I want you to come to lunch with me. And he said, hold it just a second. You mind if I, I have a smoke? And I thought, no, it doesn't bother me. And then he was lighting up a different type of cigarette. I didn't know. <laughs> he's smoking marijuana. And, you know, we're in the car. And he's going down the road like 20 miles an hour. Boy, he got some serious prayer then for freedom and deliverance. I'm going, God, keep me safe here. <laughs> People are passing and honking at us, and his reflexes are so slow. It's like a, he's 180 years old, you know. I said, do you want me to drive? Oh, no, I've got this. It's fun. I said, oh, gosh. <laughs> anyway, we prayed for him to be free of that. Do you know that that left him completely? He had no desire for it whatsoever. He said, I found a new high. I said, what's that? He said, I get in the praise and worship. And I'm just so thankful that I've been forgiven. I'm just so thankful that I think about all the things I've done to people and the things I've done wrong. And he said, I'm just thankful I'm forgiven. He that is forgiven much, loves much. And he became a lover of Jesus. And his life changed. He was no longer the same. It's a narrow way. Because there's only one way. He is the door. He is the gate. He is the way, the truth, the life. There's no other way except through Jesus. And we get to present Jesus to people. Aren't you glad? What a privilege in the, and honor that we have. But it says, few be that find this way. Few be that take this path. Many go the other way. Even in this day, which I believe we're, we're in uh, the beginnings of a great awakening. That God's doing great things in the church. And, and straightening out some things for to bring in a great last day harvest. Even in that place, even compared to how many are lost, how many are being saved, it's few. I had a Christian tell me one time in his zeal and his passion, he said, God's going to save everyone on this planet. I said, well, he has already in a sense, but not everyone will respond to the message. Few compared to how many are lost. So we have a job to do, and it's a serious thing to do. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can take all the religions, you can take all the brotherhoods, good health uh, books, or whatever. 
ways of life. You can put all those things together and they fit in the wide gate. But it all leads to destruction. There's a lot of people who think they're doing good things and that's saving them, but it's not. It's not. Because there's just one way. And what an honor we have to represent the king. To present Jesus to people and it can change their eternal destination. It can change their eternity. What an honor and privilege we have to represent Jesus in this earth. Wow. Lives being forever, ever changed. How many know that forever is a long time? Last time I checked, it's a long, long time. Forever and ever and ever. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. And he died for all those who, sh- who live, should live no longer for themselves, for, for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. That's talking about that judgment thing, regarding no one according to the flesh. I see everyone in the spirit, either they're lost and need Jesus, or they're my sister or my brother. That's the way we're to judge people. There's two real races on the earth. Those that are sons and daughters of God and those that are sons and daughters of the enemy. That's what the Bible says. Two races, believers and unbelievers. And Paul, but he regarded no one after the flesh. He saw them in Christ their potential, what they could be. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Say I'm, 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 I'm an, is that an, an ambassador? Goodness gracious a lot. I am an ambassador. That's a mouthful. <laughs> You are an ambassador. (laughs) Ambassador, you're royalty. The devil tries to say you're nobody, you're not good enough, you're nothing. Just look in the mirror and say, I'm an ambassador for the king, the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes you just have to let the devil know. Sometimes you have to let yourself know. (laughs) Let yourself know what? Know what God says about you. You're an ambassador. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God is speaking through you every time that you're reaching out to another life for them to know Jesus. Every time you're presenting Jesus to someone, you're representing Christ. And God is speaking through you. 
every time you say that God loves you, you're speaking for God. You're speaking truth. He loves each and every one of us. Hallelujah. I'm getting happy. I don't know about y'all. So what do we do? We get them into the kingdom, then we disciple them. I can remember years ago that <laughs> it was one of the craziest things. Did an altar call for people to be saved, and uh, this couple came down to get saved, and this other couple uh, rushed up that were part of the church, and I, I, and I, I asked them, you know, quickly, you know, did you need something? Because I want to pray for this, this couple here to get born again. And, and they said, well, pastor, we just wanted to tell you, we went to the third heaven last night. There is a third heaven. We went there last night. I said, well, that's great. <laughs> we got someone over here. Uh, I'm going over here and say, uh, it, it was wonderful. I said, well, that, that, that's super. We're, we're in Christ. And went to over here to lead them to the Lord. And they're going, what about third heaven? And see, it was a, it was a distraction. You know, they didn't mean it, but it turned out to be a distraction. What about third heaven? I said, well, the Bible says once you get saved, you, you're in him. And because you're in him, wherever he is, you are. And he's in the third heaven. And so you're at the third heaven. And they go, oh. And we pray and they receive Christ. Sometimes a distraction from the, the plan of God can come in. I was leading a guy at, at work that I'd been working on for a long time. Good friend of mine. Known him a long time. He was a, a good man. He just wasn't saved. He was as good as you can get without being saved. But he needed Jesus. And I'm, I'm leading him. I'm right there at. He said, I'm ready to receive Jesus. And another friend of mine comes up. He's of a, a different, um, well, you'll figure it out. He comes up and he goes, and a friend's name was Hugh. He said, Hugh, has Bob told you about you can't have a blood transfusion? I'm like a deer in headlines, you know. Twilight Zone. That's why you fail. It's just like, what? He goes, no, he hasn't. What about? I said, you don't need to mess with that. He said, yes, you do. Blood transfusion. You can't. He goes, there's a scripture. It's in the Bible. You cannot drink blood. I said, well, I don't consider a blood transfusion. That's, I don't consider me drinking blood. I get a blood transfusion. And do you want... To know that I did not get to pray with him. Because he came in with all this stuff. It was a distraction. It was nuts. 
But when the main thing is the main thing, it's just like our community group. Somebody comes in, it's unbeliever. You go into action, you love on them, and you give testimonies, and you minister to them. <laughs> oh, I'll never forget that, the blood transfusion. Matthew 7, verse 15, Jesus continues. He said, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. Talking about false prophets, false teachers, religious teachers, those that are, are ministering and speaking things that are false. They're different on the inside than the outside. Notice they're wolves. On the inside, but on the outside, they're dressed in sheep's clothing. They come into a congregation not to take over, but to destroy it, to split it. And they come dressed up like a sheep. And you have to have discernment. Who, do they, who are they trying to devour and eat on? See, wolves eat sheep. They're looking for the weak ones, the babies. They're coming to pick them off and devour them and split the church. They'll come with strife, deception, or they'll come with uh, their teaching will be good. There'll be a lot of truth to it, but then it's mixed with something that's not true. It's just like you don't, if you want to kill an animal, you wouldn't just give it straight poison. You'd put poison in the meat, correct? That's kind of what it is. And they, he's saying, beware of this. He's telling his disciples, beware. There'll be some, they look great on the outside, but on the inside, they're dead. It's their fake. It's a facade. They have their own agenda. Jesus talked about Matthew 23, 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautifully, beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and un, all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Religion having the form of godliness, but not having the power on the inside. They're not connected really with God. They're dressed in sheep's clothing. They're in disguise and they get into congregations to eat and devour. I can remember years ago, we had a, a small group. And uh, in the small group, the man, the leader, prophesied to everyone in that small group and said they were all called to the office of a prophet. Well, there's some baby Christians in there and stuff, and uh, most of them were babies, I guess. It was probably half. And anyway, found this out, of course, later. And they decided we're going to tithe to each other. And then the next thing you know, they wanted to start a church, 
lasted a couple months and things gone. And it didn't work. But what was happening? To devour the babies. These babies were so confused, so messed up. It, it took a lot of work to get them back on track. What was it? It was, it was false teaching. It was, it was the enemy destroying, devouring those that were weak, those that were new, new in the faith. Now, I will say that the leader came back to me years later. I don't know what he had been through, but he, he said, can I come in and see you? And I said, yeah. He, he sat down a chair, and he said, I ask you from the bottom of my heart, will you forgive me and release me? I said, oh, yes. I said, I did from the beginning, but yes, I forgive you. And he stood up, and he shouted and screamed, said, hallelujah, I'm free, and ran out of the building. So... <laughs> can dead men's bones live can those dry dead bones live yeah God is so good hallelujah what if you what if you receive a prophecy test it according to the word Somebody's telling you you're to leave your wife, divorce her, move to Utah, and take on three wives. That's not in the Word of God. It's got to pass the word test first. But see, baby Christians don't know the word, so that's the reason we have the body, we have the church family that we're, we take care of each other. What if it does pass the word test? That, that means you want God, you want confirmation. You can go to one of the elders or something and, and share with them, let them pray with you. Get conf God can confirm that thing. I've seen some. Uh, there was a, a couple, a minister too, they came to me and they said, we were losing everything. I said, what's wrong? They, they said, well, this prophetess told us that we found a house we liked and everything. And, and she said, the Lord says, go out and double the price for the house. Find one. The Lord will provide. The Lord didn't provide. He wasn't in. They had a budget. They were Dave Ramsey fans and everything. They were on it. Lost everything. So they, they come for marriage issues. So, well, someone should have told you that what was in your heart. I said, did you like the new house? No, we liked the other one better. Sometimes, well, I can give you a, a bunch of different ones on that but test it ask the Lord to confirm it you see the Holy Spirit is perfect but vessels are imperfect we're imperfect vessels one thing that Kenneth Hagin a prophet that I, I always uh, liked about him he would minister to someone and he would say you go pray about that because he said I can't miss it but I believe that's the word of the Lord for you. Humility. 
humbleness. Because no's are perfect. Amen. Hallelujah. So when believers get out of fellowship with God, they can put on a facade. And they can start walking in a place of deception. They also become very vulnerable to this false teaching and deception that's out there. You can hear just about anything you want to hear out there. But does it stick with the word? The word of God is our standard. It's the final authority. The word, the word, the word. Amen. And it's God breathed. The word is spirit and life. So always stick with the word. I heard a pastor the other day, he told of a dream. He saw Jesus and he said, Jesus was sad. And he said, Jesus, you know, why are you sad? He said, because there's a lot of my children that are living like the world and don't care anything about it about my heart or my feelings about it. And he said, Jesus, that must break your heart. Are you, you know, is your heart breaking because of that? And he said, no, actually, I'm, I feel insulted. And I go, you know, that can knock me. I'm insulted. But you know, insult to the cross. It's one thing to be doing sin and, and don't care about it. Because what's happening there, you're getting to a place of hardness of heart. And you'll fall for any deception. In fact, you're in deception thinking that sin is just fine. Because the wages of sin is death. It still is. But thank God for Jesus Christ who his power takes us over. We're to live a lifestyle of faith in God, but many just treat living by faith for just an emergency situation. And we've got to live it every day. It's a relationship with him. Now, one good thing about the word, once you get hooked on the word, it's addictive. It's addictive. Verse 16, you will know them, talking about the false prophets, and these false teachers, these ones, wolves and sheep's clothes, you will know them by their fruits. The men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. So it doesn't say you'll know them by their teaching. You'll know them from their fruit. So he's saying look at their fruit. It's a lot of ministers and stuff that's come out. It's been exposed that their fruit was pretty rotten. Look at their fruit. Look at how the fruit of their ministry or the people they minister to, what's the fruit in their life? How's their, their family? You know, it says a minister should have his home in order, rule it well. Now, ad adult kids, it's on them. Amen. But, but in the home, um, how are they ministering? What's their, are they living a righteous life? But these false teachers will be there. That's what Jesus is warning us about. He said, they're going to be there. But you be a fruit inspector. You can judge fruit. 
You can look at someone's track record according to their behavior. That's fine. You can't go to your job and be late 10 times and they say, we're going to fire you. You say, you're judging me. And they're going to say, yeah, we are. Get out of here. <laughs> no, they're, they're taking your track record. And we can judge other people's fruit. Verse 17, even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. So you'll know the the false from the fruit. What kind of fruit is that tree producing? And it goes back to judging behavior, not the person. A good tree cannot habitually bring forth evil fruit. Once in a while, you might have produced a sour grape here or there, or bruised apple. Amen? But God wants us to produce good fruit, to be a good tree. Verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. When judgment time comes, you know what Jesus is going to judge? Your fruit, your works, the fruit of your life. That's what he's going to judge. He's not going to judge you. But he's going to look at the evil tree and he's going to judge their nature. And all they can produce is evil fruit. Wow. Mm. You remember when... Uh, Pastor Rob was talking about gold, silver, and precious stones. There's rewards. You bear fruit, there's rewards for it. You get rewarded for being a good fruit tree. Some of us are more fruit, fruity than others. But we have all different flavors of fruit. But in the end, Jesus will take care of the trees, good and bad. Matthew 7, 21, moving on, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many, say many. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Many are going to get into a debate at Jesus at judgment time. Jesus, I called you Lord. I did this in your name. I I fed some people. I I did this. I prophesied the people. And he's going to turn to them and say, I never knew you depart from me. There was no relationship. He never knew them. How many people are like that? Just because you call him Lord doesn't mean he's Lord. Words can't be cheap. What's your life say? Is he Lord 
A lot of people talk about Lord and talk about Jesus, but don't have a relationship. And it gets me, it says, many are going to get into this debate with the Lord. We must accept him, of course, as Lord and Savior. Matthew 15, 8, these people honor me, this is Jesus speaking with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. What got me about this, I got to thinking, their worship's in vain. There was some worship there, it was just in vain. Because the Lord doesn't know them. They don't have a relationship. They're just going through the motions. It's a facade. It's not really real. Mm. A day will come when he will tell the wolves in sheep's clothing, I never knew you. Depart from me. So now Jesus is concluding the Sermon on the Mount. A little practical application what he's talked about. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Say wise man. We all should want to be a wise man or a wise woman of God. And Jesus is telling us how to be wise. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. It did not fall. Say, it did not fall. For it's found on the rock. So Jesus is teaching us here, just because you've been born again and you have a relationship with him, doesn't mean there won't be some storms in your life. There won't be some trials and tests coming into your life. Well, I thought everything was going to be great after I got saved. I thought I was going to tiptoe through the tulips with Tiny Tim. Three or four of us remembered that. Never mind, nobody does. Anybody remember Tiny Tim? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. There are some a little older. Anyway, I won't describe him to you, but <laughs> Tiptoe through the tulips of Jesus. No, you're thinking about heaven. We're still on this earth, and storms are going to come against you. And that's what Jesus is telling us. The wise man prepares himself for the storms of life. How does he do it? He hears the word and he does it. He hears the word and he does it. It's so easy to hear the word and not do it. It's so easy to hear the word and forget about it. It's so easy even in the morning when you spend time with God, he speaks something to you like uh, Elder Zach used to be out, never mind, whoever he is, Zach Davis, I called him elder. He was elder for a long time. I don't know what he is now. You put your finger, you put your finger, God puts his finger on your heart in the morning time. And by lunchtime, you've forgotten where his finger was. Hear and do. Hear and do. When I read the word, I'm, I'm always saying, this is God speaking to me. Lord, open up wisdom and understanding to me. 
and I will do what this word says do. And that's the way we, we have to approach it. None of us are perfect. I'm not saying uh, any of us are. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We're all in this together, walking with Jesus. So the wise man prepares himself for the storms. The rains, the floods are, are types of persecution, types of circumstances coming against you. In Ephesians 4.13, till we all come to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. You should no longer be children. God wants us to grow, to grow up and be responsible. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of the deceitful plotting. The toss and uh, toss to and fro is, is giving us uh, the picture of a ship that's in a storm being tossed to and fro. The false teachers or false doctrines, wind is blowing. The waves of, of circumstances are, are coming against you. They're coming against what God's word says. What do, you, what do you do? That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine. That's talking about those wolves and sheep's clothing. By the trickery of men. The trickery of men here is the Greek word means dice. And what it's saying, you're in a gambling match with the enemy. When you give over to the storm, you haven't heard the word and done the word, you're, you're gambling with the devil. And how many know you'll never win? It's a game that you will lose. Why? Because he cheats. The dice is loaded. And the next place it says cunning craftiness means cheating he's cheating so don't get into his game look to Jesus the altar and the finisher of your faith look to him that can steal the storm look to him that has the power and authority given to us in the name of Jesus that you can speak to the storm you can speak to the waves you can put your trust in the living God you can open up the word of God and find out that he's with you not only with you he is in you and you're a winner going somewhere to happen because of his presence and because of who he is in you you're ambassador, you're royalty, your homeland takes care of you. Your provision comes from God, not from man. If you have, you run out of all supply, God can send a raven with a steak dinner to your home. He can feed you, he can water you, he can take care of you. He's a mighty God. And the enemy wants us to look at the storm. But see, when your house is built on the rock, uh, hearing the word of God and doing it, the winds can come and they can blow. You're all snuggled, cozy in your chair with your blanket. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. Protected. 
because you dwell in the secret place of the most high God. Hallelujah. By the way, Lauren Thomas just came, released her new song. You are faithful. You are faithful. Look it up and share it. I need you to share. Share this service. What are you doing? You're passing out the good news because it gets shared and shared and it goes all over the place. It's amazing to me. Okay. Front row's laughing at me. Okay. I have a friend at, at work. His son was uh, being trained to work when the casinos came in. He was being trained to work the card tables. Him and his mama were not very happy about that. They were Christians. It was a high-paying job, and he had to go through a lot of training. But they taught you how to cheat, and they would entice you. They would let you win. They'd let you win just a little bit to take back more. Because they were banking on uh, that you would have an adrenaline rush from winning. And you would step over a threshold that you would just keep on going. It's kind of like the enemy. He will, there's pleasure in sin for a season. He'll entice you before he starts still killing and destroying. Verse 26, for everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell. And great was its fall. Notice here that the same storms come on the righteous and the unrighteous. The storms of life come. They hear talking about those that and we think this you know you read this just skim over you think this isn't a person that heard the word they heard the word this could be someone sitting in church that you a, a doer of the word it could be sitting next to someone who hears the word and doesn't do it that's what it's talking about here they heard the word just didn't respond to it and do it turn to your neighbor and say I'm the doer. <laughs> These are people in church. They heard, but they never did it. And their house fell. Their house came down. The one who does the word will be called great in the kingdom of God. Thought about Judas, one of the disciples. He heard this sermon on the mount, but he was not a doer of the word. Build your life on the unchanging, all-powerful word of God. Verse 28, and so it was when Jesus had ended these saints that he, that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. We don't bend the word to meet our needs. We bend ourselves to meet the word. So I have a couple questions and we're going to close. What fruit are you producing? 
2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you are holding to your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. And then next, are you a doer of the word? And I, I put down, I'll just uh, read some of these. I went back through the entire Sermon on the Mount, just listed, there's so many things he said, but rejoice and be exceedingly glad when you're persecuted and all kinds of evil are said, said against you falsely. You're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. What you think, uh, when you think about action, God sees you as doing it. Forgive before you give your gift at the altar. Love your enemies, bless those that curse you. Let your giving, praying, and fasting be before Father in secret, and he will reward you openly. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. You cannot serve God in money. Do not worry. Seek first the kingdom of God. There's righteousness. These things will be added to you. Do not judge any person. Judge behavior or fruit. Stay humble. Remove the speck from your brother's eye. God's promises. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be open for you. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. Jesus is the narrow gate, the way, the door of salvation. Beware of false prophets and teachers. You will know them by your fruit, their fruit. Many will call Jesus Lord, even minister in his name. But Jesus will say, I never knew you. Be a wise man or woman of God by building your house on the rock, hearing the word and acting on it. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. Thank you for this sermon. And Lord, we make a choice. We make a, a quality decision that, Lord, we, we will be doers of the word. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you will help us with this decision. We, we release our will to do your word at all times. And Lord, we thank you for your your grace that empowers us to live this Christian life because we realize we can't do it on our own. There's no way we can do these things even in this one sermon, Lord, that you taught, that you ministered. But we can do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. We can do it with your strength and your grace that empowers us to fulfill what you've called us to do. And we thank you, Lord, it's not by our strength and power, but it's by yours. And God, we give you glory and honor and praise. We thank you, Lord, that all that call upon your name can receive you as Lord and Savior. For every head bowed and no one looking around, if you need Jesus today, if you never accepted him as the Lord and Savior of your life, and you want to give your life to him, I want you to just slip your hand up and say, that's me. And he will save you today. Yes, I love the, the little ones. Lift their hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And maybe you're watching online and you've heard this message. I want you to know there is a narrow gate, but the gate is open for you right now. Today is the day of salvation for you. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He died for you. He paid such a cost for you. He took your place 
and died on the cross and became sin. He took our sin. He paid for the judgment of God in our lives for us. And because he died and is risen from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father, you can be a part of the family of God. All you have to do is say yes to him. Come and be the Lord and Savior of my life. If you believe that, just pray with me. Say, dear God, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I've done a lot of things wrong in my life, but I know Jesus paid for that and the love for me. And I receive the forgiveness of my Father. I'm forgiven now because I declare Jesus is my Lord, my Savior. Jesus is my King. And I will live for him all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, empower me to live this life. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.